Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast brought to you by Homefield Apparel. I'm Carlos. Joining me live is Avery at Brave Grapes. Hello. And for the last time, Reed at Pac-10 Reed. Let's go Blazers. Can you all hear me from my mic? Is this working? Yeah, this, it okay, is. Okay, all right. I'm just like losing my mind. Uh, we're here in person for the first time uh, doing a podcast. Have we done podcasts live in person on YouTube like this before? Not on YouTube. Not on YouTube. Okay, well, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Shout out to those joining us live on YouTube. Like the video. Send us in your comments and thoughts and subscribe to the channel. We're at 202 subscribers right now on YouTube. We... We promised at 250 subscribers that you will get to vote on one host who will eat incrementally hot sauces throughout the entire episode. So if you get us to 250, we will make someone suffer on live stream. So get us to 250 subscribers. Uh, I want it to be Matt because he's the most afraid of this. Um, so oh, we'll, we'll start voting on it. <laughs> we'll, we'll stuff. <laughs> if you're in line to vote, stay in line. Um, Podcast listeners, we have not forgotten about you. Thank you for tuning in once again. Be sure to follow the show and rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify. We have a new five-star review from that guy with hair. He writes, the Pac-12 is dead. Long live the Pac-12. Noah Fafita. Noah Fatita. For Heisman, he writes. Thank you, that guy with hair. We assume that is not Mick Cronin, so thank you very much, not Mick Cronin. Uh, and of course, we have extra Pac-12 content for you on Patreon, including our weekly previews on the Pac-12 football slate. This week, we'll be previewing the week six slate, including Wazoo at UCLA, among other games. Uh, okay, let's move on to talk about some... Well, actually, first, we're here in Portland, by the way. Uh, we went to the Utah-Oregon State game. Sure did. Sure did. First time for all of us uh, at Reeser in the fully built Reeser. Have you been to Reeser before, Reed? You're from Portland. Yeah, yeah okay. I've been a couple times, but never for a game like this. Uh, what being? What is a game like this? Top mean? ten game. Like, yeah. like okay, I, like a I've ranked never, matchup. Yeah, I've never seen a ranked Beaver team there, and I don't think I've seen them play a ranked opponent. Either. Interesting, interesting. And you've never been to Reeser? No. First time in Corvo. Yeah. Is that what they call Corvo? it? That's what Reed kept calling it. Corvo Vegas. I know Corvo Vegas, but Reed kept saying Corvo, so I wasn't sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we were in Corvallis, so we'll probably talk a little bit about how that game went uh, in terms of the, the environment and how fun that was. Uh, Reed, how about you recap this game for us? Sure. The Beavs hosted Utah in front of a raucous, no truck stops powered crowd on Friday <laughs> night. Uh, from the very start, this game seemed like it was heading towards an ugly, low scoring fight. And that's exactly what we got. Oregon State took a 7-0 halftime lead behind some atrocious offense and particularly concerning receiver play on both sides. In the second half, an Oregon State uh Oregon State would pull away even further, getting a 21-0 lead powered by the emergence of Silas Bolden, the only receiver who seemed interested in making a play that <laughs> night. <laughs> Bolden ripped off the three most explosive plays of the game, and that proved to be the difference, stretching Oregon State's lead to 21-0 in the fourth. Unfortunately, Utah would get on the board late, narrowly avoiding their first shutout since 2007. But the damage was done nonetheless, and the graveyard once again would claim a top 10 soul at home. Yeah, wow. These are getting more and more poetic every time you do that. <laughs> Reed, I swear to God. <laughs> um, okay, a lot to talk about in this game. A uh, lot to talk about from the Oregon State aspect. A lot to talk about from the Utah aspect. But uh, let's start with Oregon State. Avery, let's start with you. What was the most impressive part of the Beavers' performance in Corvallis? I feel like I've seen this exact game a million times as a Utah fan, a former Utah fan. I think that uh, Jonathan Smith like 
broke into Utah and stole this playbook right out of the vaults. Because <laughs> this was the most Utah-ass game plan I've ever seen from Jonathan Smith. Suspect play calling, but it didn't fucking matter because they controlled the clock and they got it done. And, like, Oregon State had no fucking chance despite it being, like, a one-score game most of the game. Like, it was the largest one-score game I've ever seen since Utah played last week. Um, but, yeah, I was, like, really impressed by how much they controlled the clock against a coach who is, like, known for fucking controlling the clock. That's, like, Kyle Whittingham's whole fucking thing to make up for, like, the talent differential. So I was really impressed by that on the coaching side. Uh, every other aspect of coaching was not impressed with, but I would say, like, clock management, um, interesting hand signals were my favorite part of <laughs> of this Oregon State win. Yeah, Oregon State uh, smothered the shit out of Utah. Reed, what did you think of Oregon State's performance? Yeah, for Oregon State, I mean, I think that it was it was a get on, back on track performance, right? Like we saw what happened at Wazoo last week. It felt like that, you know, they were on the verge of being put out of this conference title race uh, and really falling down a tier. And this felt like no, okay, especially at home, Oregon State can still assert their identity on a really good team, uh, and. You know, it was an interesting one because Utah early in this game said, we're going to shut down this run game. Like, and they did that to some extent. It wasn't, you know, a, hor a great performance from Oregon State on the ground. It wasn't horrible. But Utah nonetheless, like, delivered on that promise. And Oregon State had to find other ways to win. And ultimately, they were able to do that and pull away. While at the same time, having a smothering defensive performance. Uh, and that kind of let their offense take time to figure things out and then assert their identity, pull away, and really, you know, have a commanding win. Like we said in the stadium at the time, when they were up 7 nothing and they got in field goal range, we were like, the game's over. That's yeah. it. It's a wrap because Utah was not scoring two more times in that game. Yeah, it was... You talked about this being like a get on, like get back into the conference. I did not feel the way that y'all felt about Oregon State against Washington way. State. <laughs> Washington State's the best team in this league. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't. I think people were down on Oregon State. Like Reed, you were down on Oregon State after the Washington yeah. State game. I think Washington State's just very good. It's in Pullman. It was a weird environment. Like I kind of thought. I kind of thought Oregon State was going to figure some stuff out. I definitely thought they were going to win this game. Um, and I was sort of wondering if they would win it like by a big margin. And the score was only twenty-one to seven. That's a big margin. <laughs> it, yeah, for, for Utah, that's a big margin. But it was they were up twenty-one to nothing for yeah for like uh, uh, in like the third quarter, and it was gar a garbage time touchdown that yeah. Utah went for to try to avoid getting shut out, which would have been I think you said Avery would have been their first shutout since yeah. Fun fact: the last time Utah was shut out was in two thousand seven against UNLV. Yeah, that's twenty-seven crazy. to zero in Vegas. That's that's so embarrassing. I would have let Oregon State shut me out just to like fucking erase that from the memory. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Oregon State's run game, I think, struggled in this game. Like, I felt like they, they probably only got like, what, four yards per carry or something like that. Like, it was, um, it was a tough performance. Passing wise, uh, DJU is, I don't know what to make of him right now. <laughs> he, yeah. is, he is at once, I think, a massive upgrade over, over what they had. Um, he's able to do things that Ch Chance Nolan, neither Chance Nolan nor Bengal Branson can can do. But uh, he also just has some boneheaded uh, throws. I just think he he doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Yeah, it's just that like he for whatever reason within the like I don't know ten yards of the line of scrimmage he can't make a throw. But anything beyond that, if it's like an explosive play, 
is like money. It, it like did not make any sense it's to me. Very Cam Rising esque, if you will. I mean, Cam Rising couldn't hit dudes downfield like that. Like that's I feel true. like, that's true. in fact, it's somewhat the opposite. So I feel like. I don't know. DJU, I think, uh, certainly elevates their their ceiling and and even their floor a little bit, uh, especially against a Utah high. against a Utah defensive sec, uh, def, uh, defensive backfield that we think is very very good, maybe the best in the Pac-12. Maybe N- now now you're feeling differently about it. I don't know. I I'm torn on. I think Utah's secondary. We'll get to that later. I'm, yeah. I'm a little worried about that, but we'll talk about that later. As far as DJU, I mean, the big thing is like. If this was Bengal Branson or Chance Nolan last game, like there would have been that interception that set Utah up 25 yards away from scoring, and that would have changed everything, you know. Um, And the fact that DJU just like refused to make that mistake, refused to do the thing that would have let Utah back into this game was massive. I also think it's hard to criticize him a little bit because those receivers aren't elite at getting separation. And then the other thing is like, you make the Cam Rising comparison. Well, what is the thing that like helps Cam Rising so much? It's having that tight end, like having that target where you can just throw it up. And Oregon State does not have any big target like that where DJU could just throw it up down the middle and and like they can turn that 50-50 ball into a 70-30. Yeah, they don't. Uh, You were gonna say something about Oregon State? Yeah, I understand, like, Oregon State's fear to design runs for DJU because, obviously, they've dealt with, like, the quarterback injury recently in memory. But, like, he's so fucking good in designed runs. I don't have the stat pulled up, but he's, like, fucking automatic. Yeah. I think he's, like, his average – it's, like, 10 yards per carry. It's five. So, this game he had 5.6 yards per play on his rushing attempts. But last week it was, like, 10 yards per play. Yeah. Something like that. But, like, that on designed runs, I mean. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like, a lot of oh, these yeah, are yeah. designed. Yeah, that's true. Like, his design runs always yeah. fucking work. And I, like, understand, like, they don't want him to get injured. But, like, he's a big guy. He can take more design runs in a game. Like, you should be giving – I don't know. There's probably, like, two or three in this game. He could be doing five or six. Yeah. And against other opponents, that's going to be really important. And we saw Aiden Childs. So, like, if there is a chance that he does get hurt, like, they're willing to put their other quarterback on the field, even if it was, like, a scripted drive for him. Yeah. I I mean, DJU was their best carry, best rusher in terms of yards per play uh, in this game. I guess Silas Bolden from, like, lateral passes. Yeah. Um, but you know, he, like he had five point six yards per play. Damian Martinez four point oh six yards per play. But that's because Deshaun they, Fenwick not even a yard per play. He had six <laughs> carries, one yard. Utah schemed to stop the run though. Like I think it was pretty clear yeah, going into yes, this game that you had true. to force DJU to throw the ball. Like you had to take Damian Martinez out of the game as much as you could because he's like their best playmaker, and that's what Utah did. That's a good point. They were very much Utah was very much in, of the mind that if we if we can just force DJU to throw, dare him to throw it, dare him to beat us then we like our chances. I think that mostly worked. Like, Oregon State got 21 points off. How many drives was that? Um, Looking it up here. 12 drives. So, like, I don't know what does that translate to. Like, significantly less than two two points per drive. That's bad. Like, that is, uh, I think, like, getting the two point per drive mark, I think, is when your threshold of, like, how bad it is. If it's under that, I think think you got to start worrying. And Oregon State did do that. So it was an ugly performance from them offensively. Um, defensively, though, I did a great job. I know this is going to be more of a Utah thing. We will get to Utah. But, Reed, what did you like about Oregon State's defense? I mean, I thought they were 
they were just there kind of (laughs) they were bodies (laughs) yeah i I think that they they didn't make the mistake like it's kind of the same thing as like what dju had to do in this game it's like if you just force utah to move the ball down the field with this offense with this many injuries they're not gonna do it it's true (laughs) so it's like just be there especially stop the run stop the easy stuff and they were able to do that you know like if utah rattles off six yards per carry in this game it's a different story yeah that was the one thing they had to stop and after that there was no room for explosive plays like in utah's scheme or with utah's playmakers or with utah's quarterback like so many things had to go right it had to be a busted coverage the receivers for utah had to be like get unlikely separation and then nate johnson has to hit the throw it's like those three things are not going to align very often and oregon state did their part of that equation yeah Avery, do you have any thoughts about Oregon State's defense? I've got some thoughts, but I... Most of my thoughts about Oregon State's defense have to do more with Utah's offense. Yes. Um, like, <laughs> but personally, like, I think it's fine. I don't think they have to be elite. I think they're going to be okay. I mean, I just keep looking back to 2021. That defense was fucking bad. I was, like, begging for a tackle on every single play. So, like, it's hard for me to be super critical. Obviously, yeah. they weren't what they were last year. And, like, I was a little silly goofy for thinking that they could replicate that in any way i didn't think they'd be the same but like obviously their secondary has taken a step back but like i think they're just good enough to get it done yeah uh, yeah the one thing i will say about oregon state's defense is that i think it's still kind of impressive that they held utah to like how many how many rushing yards did they have like yeah they were they had uh 57 rushing yards 1.8 per rush that's not cutting out sacks but I mean yeah. that that's a really bad number. Yeah, yeah. So I and I and I and Utah's running game uh has not been great this year, but it's probably a strength for them offensively. I still think holding them to like 60 yards on the ground is pretty good. 57 it is 57 from their running from uh rushing. I'm seeing it on Reed's screen here. So I I guess I just think that that's I don't know. I feel like that that's um uh, impressive enough. I get again, you have to grade that on a curve, but I don't know, like fifty-seven rushing yards is is good against Utah. Yeah, like their a big offensive day for line the isn't total yards crowd. A big day for the total <laughs> yards crowd. That's that's bad yards per play. Yeah. Also, by the way, um, one point seven or something. I Let's, bet the EPA on those aren't great either. Yeah, uh, <laughs> should we look? Thirteenth. There are lots of purple here that we're seeing here on on my game on paper here. Thirteenth uh, percentile in EPA per uh, EPA expected points added per rush. Um, 10th percentile in EPA per dropback, 2nd percentile in yards per play, 30th percent, uh, 7th percentile on success rate for Utah. They are bad. They are like bad, bad. This is like Cal 2021 or 2019. 20, 2021 <laughs> bad. This is, this is Justin Wilcox bad. This is horrendous. So embarrassing. A lot of that has to do with injuries. Let's move to Utah then. Talk about Utah. Avery. What the hell went wrong for Utah? I mean, we can't talk about Utah without discussing injuries, but, like, at some point you have to move on from the fucking injuries and just, like, play football. Yeah, yeah. Like, they were down to, I guess, Nate Johnson is technically their third-string quarterback, whatever, and they were down to having a defensive back getting touches as a running back. Like, it was not good. It's bad news on the injury front. But, like, Utah just could not get anything going. I... I think a big part of that is, like, they don't know how to fucking scheme for Nate Johnson. They didn't prepare anything for Nate Johnson in the offseason. They haven't started doing anything now. They're trying to play it safe. But it's, like, at this point, 
he can't just like keep you in games with like the bare bones of a playbook like you have to have something for him and he's really good on the move he's slippery as hell like i don't think oregon state was the best at tackling in this game but he didn't make it easy like he was breaking out of sacks that would have been sacks for like most of the quarterbacks in this conference it was really impressive but like we talked about this 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 staff like had so much time to prepare for their non-camerizing quarterbacks and they just fucking didn't yeah like anyone who thought camerizing would be like back and healthy and ready for this is was kidding themselves he has an acl injury so it's just frustrating as someone like i like nate johnson i feel like he could be good but it feels like the staff is constantly failing him and throwing bryson barnes out there like (laughs) certainly didn't help his like confidence (laughs) in his case which is really frustrating yeah yeah bryson barnes by the way had to go to the hospital apparently i think he had probably he kind of came out of it it seemed like he was fine yeah, but, he got nailed in the chest. Yeah, he got it, nailed it in the probably, chest. Probably, I don't know. I hope he's okay. He flew home with the team, though. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's good, good sign. news. Good sign. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, part of it is Utah is working with their third and fourth string quarterbacks, and that does suck. Uh, that is bad. They had, if, for those who are wondering who the second string was, Brandon Rose, I think, was yeah, their clear backup. during fall camp. He had, like, a lacerated liver or something Something like ridiculous like that. Lots of lacerated livers out there. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. I feel like I've never heard of lacerated livers uh, until this season, and now it's happening, something like, in the water. dozens of times. Jesus Christ. Um, so they are working with, like, a deeply under-talented, not, he's not under-talented, but an undeveloped quarterback, an inexperienced one, Certainly, these will be learning experiences, but yeah, they're not they're not doing a good job of of helping him, protecting him. Reed, what about you? What did you uh, what what went wrong for Utah for you? I think we just further learned like this offense is so stubborn; it only has one way of working. And the ironic thing is, like you wouldn't think about it because Utah, you don't think about them as like an over talented team, but it actually relies on playmakers a lot. Like <laughs> if you don't have a great tight end to bail you out, if you don't have a special running back, like you're not going to have a successful offense. Uh, and even like Cam Rising isn't the vocal point of that at all. I think he's just a distributor and his legs do some damage, but he's not like the special one. It's really about the running backs they've had come through there and the tight ends they've had come through that have created these matchup advantages for them. And they were devoid of that in this game. Like Yasmin, you know, is great, but he's not Brant Keithy or Dalton Kincaid. Mm -hmm. And Jalen Glover is fine, but there's like, he's not what Zach Moss was. He's not what Jaquindon Jackson was expected to be. Uh, And so when you don't have those guys, the staff was like so stubborn to create a different game plan for like what an offense could look like around Nate Johnson that would be successful. And I think when you try to like just shove this personnel into this system, when clearly you don't have those like key points that actually turn it into an efficient offense, it's never going to work. And it I mean, it was an atrocious performance on Friday. Horrible. I mean, this Terrible. is this is one of the worst this performances. This is probably the one of the worst Utah games I have, like in my memory. Yeah, in terms of offense, like this is this is a basement level bad. Uh, running back wise, they are. Th- I mean, they they have been decimated by injuries. Like that is that is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I think that's worth. But schematically, we've seen teams with lesser talent, like Arizona twenty twenty one, had much less offensive talent than Utah does right now. I think like fully healthy. And they were able to scheme something like relatively workable. It wasn't great, but it was it was workable. Uh, Utah 
they have nothing. It's like I, I'm like it's like trying to watch. I think they're trying to use Nate Johnson as Cam Rising. And what's weird about it to me, it like doesn't make sense. Like they they are and they aren't, but they're not trusting Nate Johnson to take shots downfield. Uh, and and maybe they shouldn't. He didn't look great. He's like kind of he is sort of inaccurate. He's a lot of learning to do. His jumpy in the pocket, all that other stuff. Bryson Barnes came in, actually didn't look horrible. I know he threw a pick, but like it was suddenly like Utah was like willing to take shots yeah. downfield. That was weird to me. Yeah, it, it is weird. I, it seems like, I mean, it just seems like Nate Johnson's confidence is shot and like he hasn't yeah. been developed. He hasn't been told he's a quarterback since he's been there. And that matters. Like in this game, it was just a very bad performance. Like he had a 9.8 QBR. It was bad. Um, but I also think like there is talent there. There's something like even just with his legs, like you would think you could scheme an offense that would create some points in this game. And they like had absolutely no answers and no flexibility in terms of like, let's try this. Let's try a read option. Let's try Like, why aren't you going to different things in the playbook when you have had so much time? Like, that's the thing. They act like this was just thrust upon them. And we knew Cam Rising was going to be out for eight months. Like, how was there not some offense, some idea in the entire offseason of if it goes to Nate Johnson, this is what we're going to do? Yeah, let's. Uh, this is great comment here from Shaw S S S C H A H. He says, "Can Utah with Cam Rising beat USC, Oregon, Washington? Seems like they're still going to be missing a ton of pieces and missing last year's tight end talent." Uh, here's the thing: Avery and I were talking about this. I can't believe, and you just mentioned this. Like, I can't believe that Utah saw Cam Rising get injured and did almost nothing at quarterback like they stood pat uh they stood pat in the transfer portal they stood pat in terms i don't know if they ever thought that cam rising was ever going to come back and this is all just like a is cam rising gonna play i don't know keeping everyone on their toes making teams prepare for the possibility of cam rising all this like it's either that or they're like they're like no no you really think he can come back and he's gonna come back fast we're at the point now where this year i don't know that we're gonna see cam rising it feels it feels like we're going to go into the bye week, and if he doesn't play against yeah. Cal in two weeks, he's not playing for the year. Yeah. Like, you're not going to throw him in in like week eight, right? Yeah, I don't think they're going to do that. I mean, they would. Utah, if any team's going to fucking do that, it's this yeah. Utah offensive staff. Like, that's what we were talking about before. Like, oh, maybe Cam Rising's not playing against Oregon State because it's the bye week and then Cal, and like, what happens if he re injures himself? But Utah does not like fucking losing games. So if, if Cam Rising was good to go, they would have thrown him out there. Yeah. Just, on Friday. They would have done that just so they could try to win the game. But, like, they don't say, oh, we'll just take this one as an L and move on. If he doesn't come out about against Cal, that's just crazy to me, like, the notion of him starting during the season. And Utah fans are going to say, like, well, why wouldn't we start him? He's rusty as hell. Like, he's coming off of a major injury. He hasn't had any game time experience during that time. Like, why would you squeeze that in when you're trying to stay? Like, they're still in conference contention. This is their first loss of the season. Yeah. So, like, it doesn't it, feel like it. It I know, really it doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> well, it's just cr- – I was thinking about this this morning. It's crazy that this was a top-10 team. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I know these people are idiots. I know they do not watch ball. <laughs> but, like, ranking them as top 10 after how they looked against UCLA was such a big hint to, like, yeah. how they would look this week. They should have known better, which makes it, like, even a worse loss because, like, this shouldn't have been a top 10 team. But trotting out Cam Rising in week eight, and they don't have an easy schedule to finish the season, would no. be worse. It, I can't imagine it would be better. He would probably get hurt again, and it was just we'd be back. Yeah. square one yeah 
Yeah, I think we have to treat this season as if Cam Rising is not going to play, right? And I think well, I think there's I think there's like putting Utah in the top ten and all it's like just preseason prior bullshit. They have not looked like a top ten team. They have not played like a top ten team. They they just don't look like that. But what were we gonna say, Reed? I th- I think it hinges on like what you think of Rising though. Like I, I think their top ten ranking is they won these games without their QB one, you know? Yeah. And that changes at a certain point, the scales tip and it's like, Oh wait, like this is their quarterback rising. Isn't coming to save them. And we have to evaluate them based on what they did. Yeah. Um, Because like, if you look at it, like their first four games and you take like, Oak, you view it as well, would Oregon have won against that schedule without Bo Nix? Would USC have won without Caleb Williams? You know, and you like do that game. It's hard. Like, it is impressive, you know, but if you look at it like this is their starting quarterback, it's not a top 10 team. And to the, like on Friday, they were not a top 10 team um, in terms of the question of can they beat USC, Washington, Oregon? I, I don't think so right now. I mean, certainly that's the, a hard. No, you, you you're timid about that. Yeah, you, well, you're, I, I'm. I think the Oregon game, only the Oregon games in SLC. (laughs) That's a great point. Unfortunately, (laughs) if Rising's back, if they get, like, when Rising was there last year and they had these weapons, like, they were a very efficient offense. Mm -hmm. They actually were very good offensively. But I want to talk about the defense for a second, and I think you brought up the secondary. That's the big thing for me that, like, that's what this question hinges on. We know their front seven is good. But ultimately, they like against especially USC and Washington on the road. That secondary has to be like the best secondary we've ever seen from Utah, and I'm not convinced it is at all. Especially considering they don't have the weapons to keep up with it. Like someone brought up in the chat about the wide receivers. Like this was our conversation the whole game between me and Reed was who has worse wide receivers in this game? Oregon State or Utah? Yeah. yeah. Like who knows? But Utahs are not. I think good we know now. To- <laughs> <laughs> I think we do know now. <laughs> yeah, definitively yeah, it's Utah. It's probably Utah. Utah's weapons are not good enough to go blow by blow with these like high powered offenses. Like. We'll talk about the Arizona game, but that's like the only reason I thought Arizona had a chance is because they had talented wide receivers. Take away that, like you're fucking done. You're going on the road to yeah. two environments that you've only won in one time. You've only won in the Coliseum one time. Historically bad USC team. You've only won. I mean, they've probably won in Seattle before, but like in recent memory, one time in 2019 against like a, a mid UW team. Like you're not going to go into those environments and say, "Hey, if we just believe in ourselves, next man up mentality," you're not going to fucking win those games. It's not possible. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I, I have. I guess it's a hard no for me. Like if this is the team that is playing against, like this On constellation of players, or I against against Oregon, Washington, and USC. I can't see which one in which they have any significant advantages. They're going to need to score. I get Utah's defense might be very, very good still. I get it. They actually did very well against Oregon State, all things considered, especially when their offense isn't helping them out. But they're going to need to score. We just saw it. Like, they couldn't couldn't get 21 points. Last week against UCLA, they won with 14 points. That was in Salt Lake City. So, like, but I have a very strong feeling that Oregon is not going to be held to seven (laughs) points. That would be crazy. They are not going to be held by seven points. And at this point... Surely a top ten team's (laughs) never been held to seven (laughs) in SLC before. That hasn't happened. I can't think of anything. Um, So, yeah, I think think Utah's in serious shit right now. Like, they, they have to... They have to retool. They've got to, like... I don't know. They've got to do some weird, funky shit with the offense. Because 
it just needs to be good enough to help out the, the defense, and it's not doing anything. Uh, it's not moving the ball. It's it's turning the ball over sometimes, yeah. which is the ugliest thing we've seen from Utah so far. So, But I guess where we diverge is just I have more confidence that I, I think Rising could come back for the Cal game. Yeah. Like, it makes some sense after the bye week. Yeah, I agree. And we... I mean, we can't forget we have seen Utah turn around their like look yes. completely different in the back half of a schedule than they did in the front half before. So w- would would the team we saw Friday win any of those games? Like absolutely not, no fucking shot. But I've seen Utah turn it around enough times where I'm like, okay, Rising comes back, Jaquindon Jackson, maybe Brent Keithy comes back. Like what what could they be an efficient offense? Could they get like Salt Lake City matchup? magic and beat Oregon I mean I'm still scared based on recent history yeah yeah. I mean the thing with Cam Rising is that like uh people people will say Cam Rising's not going to fix the offensive line Cam Rising's not going to fix the lack of wide receivers Cam Rising's not going to fix the lack of talent he kind of did in 2021 (laughs) uh like I felt like I I felt like all of these things we were saying like Cam Rising actually can fix a lot of those things with his pocket presence with his leadership and the way that he can uh, set his offensive line and you know with his playmaking ability like he can fix a lot of those things but he has to be a hundred percent like yeah cam rising is a is a good player but he's like marginal good to me like he's he's a good good player but like he's at the edges of like top five in the in the pack 12 and if, and a large part of that is his legs and if he's not a hundred percent and doesn't have a hundred percent confidence in his running ability I don't know. That's that's tough. I'm not. He'll improve. I think the offense a little bit, but uh, it's 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 still TBD to me. I, I don't know. I have many many questions. Uh, we were in Racer Stadium, by the way. We should talk about that. That was fun. You, uh, it was fun. Yeah, that was yeah. great. Yeah. What did you think? What did you think? I think it's a great stadium. Yeah. I mean, the crowd's awesome. The traditions are great. Um, I thought I was really impressed by like the side of the stadium that they just built looking uniform with the rest of the stadium because I feel like that's something I consistently see in college football when they do like a partial renovation is it's like "Eh, that looks like it was dropped there from the sky like that does not match the rest of the field the stadium and like I didn't walk over there but like from where we were sitting across from it it looked really nice and I thought it was great. The crowd's awesome. I, I love being a part of that crowd. They do like a lot of interactive chants and stuff, which I thought was fun. Yeah, it was great. Uh, Reed, now you were saying that this is the biggest college football environment that you have ever been in, the loudest, <laughs> the most nope. raucous. Uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? <laughs> I said the exact opposite. <laughs> no, I mean, I was impressed. I think Reeser has some magic to it, for sure, uh, yeah. that kind of like defies like just the the like exact noise level it has or like how big it is or anything it just like is a i mean the history's there like yeah. it is a place where a lot of top teams have fallen another uh, top 10 team by the way yeah. it doesn't feel like we're gonna miss that like corvallis yeah. took another top 10 team it didn't feel like it but they did yeah i think this is probably at the bottom of the list of yeah, top yeah, 10 upsets. yeah um, i think that's right th- this didn't feel like an upset remotely but I, I love the fact the student section is right there. They have the best seats in the yes, house. It's crazy. They're all spread across like 50 yard line front row uh, back, you know, 10, 20 rows, whatever it is. Uh, good chance and stuff. Like it was fun. It was all oranged out. I, I liked it a lot. Uh, it doesn't necessarily like we were kind of up there, so I didn't feel the noise in the same way. Um, and I would be interested what it's like in that student section, like how much oh, yeah. you feel it. That's so rare for a student section yeah. to have seats like that. Like, 
I was shocked. I was like, wait, are and those all the students? across the lower that's section? The stuff, like, that's that's crazy. the stuff they give to the donors. Like that's premier seating. I, that's so rare in Power Five. Like I don't see that shit. That's crazy. Like I wish I could go back in time and be an Oregon State student <laughs> because that is so cool. Like all along the sideline. Oh, it must be so fucking cool to be like a player and have that energy. And this was the first game this season with the students at home um, because of their weird school schedule. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Guac is in here. He said, did they play the millennial hits for Carlos? Feel like they always play good music. LOL. Yeah. Uh, Party in the USA? Millennial yeah, hit? Apparently they're undefeated <laughs> when they play Party in the USA. <laughs> Fun facts. Uh, yeah, that was good. And we watched it with a bunch of our uh, our Pac-12 buddies, many of whom are just sleeping around here on the side, <laughs> <laughs> waiting for us to be finished. Um, but yeah, it was a great time. Yeah, it was I great. Great. It's fun. Yeah, I love Portland. It's great. Uh, all right, let's move on. We've got a few other games to talk about here. Let's move on to a game that is on my show notes and that I don't have pulled up because I've got one computer. USC beating Colorado. Uh, USC traveled to Boulder and escaped sure with did. a 41 to 48, uh, 48 to 41 win. This game had over a thousand yards of total offense. The Buffs actually outgained USC 564 yards to the Trojans 498. Another big win for the total yards heads. USC jumped out to a huge lead early, leading 34 to seven late in the second half uh, or into the second half, uh, including holding USC. Uh, sorry, but back came the Buffs. I'm reading this shit wrong. Back came the Buffs, who outscored USC 34 14 in the second half including holding USC scoreless in the fourth quarter. Uh, Colorado, in the end, needed an onside kick late, couldn't get it, uh, and the Trojans escaped Boulder with a win. Uh, This is a weird, weird weird-ass game, but uh, let's start with the USC angle on this, and we'll start with Avery. Avery, (laughs) very open-ended. How did you feel about the USC win? I feel that Alex Grinch is a war criminal, and we should put him down. I love Alex Grinch. (laughs) (laughs) Alex Grinch is so bad, and Lincoln Riley at every step of the day. Wait, it's like when a team has a really shitty backup quarterback. Like, it's their only option. They're like, no, he's our guy. But he's our guy. (laughs) You have other options. I can't imagine they would take a step down if this guy was fired. Like, I, I can't imagine that. Um, I was not impressed with USC. I don't want to hear road road woes shit. Like this team's talent should transcend road woes. They they should be above this. Like I I don't hate Colorado, but like this was bad. This was bad for USC, and I can't. I come away from this game like thinking really poorly of USC compared to where I was before. Yeah. What about you, Reed? What did you think of USC's performance in this game? I think. USC is exactly the team they were in 2022. Like, we saw this every fucking time they played a mediocre to kind of decent Pac-12 team last year. It was always a one or two score game. Like, they always gave up 25 to 35 on defense. They always scored 45 on offense and, like, did enough to win. One of these times it's going to bite them and they're going to get upset. Uh, And it just, like, makes, makes me lose confidence in them. They're... They're so deeply unserious as a team. Like, <laughs> why can you not just bury Colorado? What What is wrong with you? You have so yeah, many like advantages. It's, it, it's not, yeah, right. It's not <laughs> hard. Like, they had, they went up 21 nothing in this game. It should have been over. And they just, like, forgot to play, you know? And Caleb Williams just runs around and keeps kind of scoring points. And the defense just falls asleep and lets Colorado, like, come kind of close to winning. And, of course, they don't. But it's. 
It's like, what are we doing? And how do you expect this team to make a playoff if you're that uncommitted to like continuing to play at high effort throughout the course of a game? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't know what that like stems from exactly, but there's there's something wrong here with USC and the the talent that they have and the fact that they have the best quarterback in the country offsets that uh, and can cover a lot. But like they're not they're just not an elite team. They're not a national title contender based on what we saw the last two weeks. So do you feel like, I mean, uh, so you don't give any weight to the fact that this is a road game against a pretty okay Colorado team that doesn't hold any weight for you. I, I was in the stadium for Colorado versus Oregon last week and Colorado in just got where? Abs- it, it, but it, they're, Does they're it not still matter? the same team. It though. doesn't matter. So if it doesn't matter then, how did you feel? Here's the thing. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to call out some intellectual inconsistency the, here. Okay, okay. So so is home field worth 80 points or is it worth like six? Because that wasn't what the split between those two games was. Well, so let's, I mean, this is, I, for me, I don't know how we can like evaluate this. This game doesn't feel differently in terms of quality and the way that USC looked relative to Oregon looking like shit against Texas Tech. How How is that any worse how did this become I mean, about Oregon? Because these are the kinds of things that I'm talking about. It's like Colorado. It's like I feel like every time Colorado plays, and we'll get to Colorado, it's like, oh, well, it's, it's because USC's defense sucks. And when it's USC, it's like, oh, well, that Colorado sucks, so you have to like, you know. I, I'm not worried. I guess I'm not worried. Yes, they gave up a ton of points. They let Colorado back in. They were up 34-7 to in this game. And I don't know, like – Colorado was kind of coming back. They made it a one-score game, but they needed an onside kick with like 50 seconds left or however much it was. I, I, I just feel good about Colorado. Like I feel, I feel high on Colorado. I think Colorado is a quality team. I know that they got their asses kicked in Eugene. I do think, like I know on the aggregate level, like home field is worth three points. Like if you took every single home game and road game split and you looked at it in the Pac-12 over the cross 10 years, I think I, I think I did this last year. It's about three points. So, like, I I get that on average on an aggregate. But I also think that, like, I don't know if that game, if if Oregon goes to Colorado, like, I don't think it's a, what was the score? Like, 38 to 6 or something? 42 to 6. 42 to, uh, really, for the Colorado game? I thought that was a Stanford score. They're the same score. No shit. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, You know, I I don't know that it's that kind of game. Like, I do think that this being on the road matters. I do think that that makes USC so I don't think that they're an unserious team because then that would mean every other team that plays down to the level of their opponent is an unserious team they did play down to the level of their opponent I personally the one analytic move that I don't like that uh, beta rank and SP plus take which is is like how badly you beat shitty teams or Colorado's not a shitty team but how, how badly you beat teams lesser than you really good teams play down to their opponent like i don't know what else to say like they just do um and i i guess i'm just not totally concerned i feel better about colorado after this game more so than i feel bad about usc i think usc still has an electric offense we said the only thing that mattered that was like can they put up a shit ton of points and and just fucking bulldoze everyone in their way offensively yeah they did that and then they just sort of let up on the gas so i don't know i mean you tell me what you think i obviously i brought up the oregon texas tech thing as a way to dunk on you but like 
It well, feels those, those those feel so similar to me, and you talk about them so differently. But the thing is, is like Colorado, we've known they can't run the ball the whole season. They couldn't do it against anyone, and they put up 193 yards rushing. Like cooking. that's insane to me. Like how do you let that happen? I thought USC had the athletes on the line of scrimmage <laughs> that they could <laughs> they, stop. They were that. supposed to, yeah, yeah. So like stuff like that, and and I mean, I just I don't want to go into the Oregon game too much, but like. To talk about it from Colorado's perspective, they they couldn't get anything going offensively in that game. Like they did not threaten points until the second unit was in in the late fourth quarter, and so to go from that to like, okay, we're just going to put up forty one on USC. I get it's at home, but like the the comfortability that they had on offense. The answer last week we talked about like Colorado's offense had no answers, and this week it felt like they had so many. Yeah. Until until late, but yes, I, I agree. They made some adjustments. It's it's not like they, it was all garbage time points, but Avery, did you have any other thoughts about USC's offense, uh, defense, whatever? Um, I think that USC plays at Notre Dame, and they also play at Oregon. So Yeah, we'll learn a lot. That's, We're going- well, I think I've learned enough uh, <laughs> to tell you that those are not going to be good for USC. Unless they're going to, we, we said this not. last year, and then they beat every, they beat every, uh, almost every team on their schedule. Their one loss was to Utah in Salt Lake City, and they and they but, should but have. They won didn't that play game. Oregon. They didn't play Oregon or Washington. Like, I, we still. I mean, what's their their best win is against UCLA last year. That, that's like the only even good one last I, year. And I guess the Oregon State game that was not impressive. By that was an Oregon State win. Yeah. I'm not saying that they're going to like. I'm not saying that they're going to run the table in conference, but. I also don't like. I, what, but, but, so what, I mean, what do you feel to, like they're a nine and three team? They have the to they're play playing? Washington, play Oregon, and play UCLA all in a row. Yeah, and what do you what do you think you they think I they, think they, they dropped two of those games? Yeah, I guess I. <laughs> well, Carlos, I, like how I don't many, think so. How many good teams did they play last year? Like, I'll give you UCLA. So it's UCLA, Utah, Utah, Utah and Tulane. They're they're one in three <laughs> against good teams, right? Okay, so I the mean, narrative that they win every time they play a good team is not. I didn't, I didn't say that, but they. I think they were... Well, le- but you said they, were- they won all those games, and I'm just saying it's very different. Okay, yeah, they won against Arizona and Cal when they played them. Yeah. And I and guess they, they made them look like good teams. No, they yeah. didn't. They almost lost to Arizona. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think they... All, it was a competitive game. Anyway, it was look, I know you... Look, I just feel like USC is the kind of team, and this is just like, honestly, watching LA sports teams over the years... That kind of USC team that honk. Pl- plays down to the level of their competition. I do think that. I think their offense sucks. I mean, their defense is not great. I do. I will say, the fact that I said, okay, at worst, I'm taking that back. I think they could be worse than okay. Um, I don't know if they are yet because, I, again, I think Colorado is very good. Let's move on. Can we move on to Colorado? Yeah. Let's move on to Colorado. Uh, the Buffs did a lot on offense. We talked about that. They figured out a lot of stuff late. Reed, uh, you're a big old Colorado here, uh, hater. Are you encouraged by this? I I am a buff at heart. I'm a double Colorado <laughs> legacy. No one on this double podcast legacy. roots for Colorado more than me. Um, he I, picked Colorado against <laughs> um, TCU. Don't care. Don't care. Doesn't fit my narratives. <laughs> I think this, I mean, this was, it was somewhat impressive for Colorado. Like they did figure out some things offensively, uh, especially after a very slow start. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was this freshman, Marion Miller, like took over this game it was a because this i mean us or i mean colorado's receiving core was very simple like you can count them jimmy horn xavier weaver that's it i mean travis hunter when he's healthy and now this is a 
a third or fourth option that looked like a first option. I mean, he went for 196 in this game, absolutely took it over in the second half. He was the go-to guy uh, for this passing attack late in this game to kind of bring them back into it. That was a big takeaway for me. The defense still not good. Uh, the running game, I, I don't really, I think this is fool's gold, like this performance. I'm going to lean back on the data that we have from the past four weeks and say, I still don't think the rushing attack is very good. Maybe that changes against some of the Pac-12 fronts they're going to play. And if it does and they can achieve balance, then they can be very good. I don't know. I, I said they were a lot like last year's Arizona team, and you called me crazy for that. Um, I just I think, I think they're better, but yeah, yeah, I still think they're better. Yeah, maybe they are. I'm, I'm interested to see. I It's three and two now, though, and there aren't that many like clear wins left on this schedule. It's Arizona State and Stanford they get soon, but after that, it's a lot of ranked games. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, they're probably not going to be favored in more than three more of these. What did you think of, of Colorado Avery? Honestly, like I was really recovering from the previous night. And then <laughs> morning, like I didn't have, I, I wasn't like checked in. We also like randomly went on a target run in the middle yeah, of this that's, game. Well, the first, in the first part, we missed all the USC beatdown stuff. Yeah. But. So that's, that's important to note. <laughs> <laughs> we watched, we only watched Colorado score like 34 points unanswered basically. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I, I feel the same that I feel about Colorado. Like, I, okay. I might feel a little bit better about Colorado. I feel like they, they could be a bowl-eligible team. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah. I don't think they're better than that. I think they're, I think they're, I think they're above bowl eligibility. You know what this year's Colorado team feels like? Change and not, are they winning? Uh, this year's I Colorado right team, this, Colorado, this, this year's Colorado team feels like last year's, not in terms of, like, the type of team, but yeah. just in terms of like their quality level, they feel like last year's Wazoo team. Um, I think Wazoo was the kind of team that beat the teams that it should, lost to all the other top teams, and they ended up seven and five. Uh, like that's what they well, ended up at. Colorado, I, I just like Colorado's offense is very like this. Colorado offense is better than Arizona's offense last year. This Colorado offense is like good. It has playmakers. It has talent. Uh, it's maybe you're right. The lines are a problem when they come across teams with really good lines. It's going to be a problem. There aren't a ton of those. Like, Arizona State defensive line, garbage. I think we all agree that they're, yeah. they, that's garbage. Stanford's line's bad. UCLA's pass rush could be a problem. Their defense, their Definitely. offensive line, eh, okay. Oregon State's lines, I think they're good, but I don't know that they're, like, Oregon-level good. I they're think gonna, they're better I, than USC's lines. They're, they're pretty good. They're going to... I mean, they're going to gash Colorado on the ground. On the ground. I think defense, I, I worry about Oregon State's defensive line. Like, I do. They just controlled that game against Utah, though. But we just and said Utah that we don't might trust. have the best offensive line in the league. But we just said we don't trust uh, Utah's run. Utah's run blocking was bad in that game. Um, so, I don't know. Whatever. Oregon State, to me, is like, it's a little weird. And it's in, and it's in Boulder. Yeah. Arizona, I don't. Arizona's lines didn't look great. I actually thought their offensive line played pretty well. We'll get to that a little bit. Um, Washington State's lines. Okay, they have good lines, but they're like big, super talented. And then Utah. I think Utah might be a problem. It's going to be very – that game in Rice Cycles is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really interested in that game. So I guess I'm just going down the lines to say the teams with like really good line play will probably be Colorado, but they've got to be really Can good. Can I say something? Yes. Um, I think your Washington State comparison is bad, and you should feel bad. For Go ahead, say that was what, really Greg. What, what's what's different? I think if Washington State had Shadur Sanders last year, they would have threatened conference championship game. I think they would have been in the conference championship. They game. had they had Cam Ward. 
Ken Ward was ass last season. Okay. He came up from an FCS Own team. Him. He needed the year to adjust. Nobody was locked in on Wazoo. If like Colorado had Wazoo's defense, game. they're undefeated. Yeah, but they don't. Yeah. <laughs> when they didn't have Shadur Sanders. So I don't know what but, we're talking but about. But now Cam Ward now Cam now Ward Cam looks Ward's like this. Now Cam Ward's good. So now we year. know how they see would look. Like it's not a good comp because they're completely different teams. Yeah, they are com- no, 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 they are sure. completely different teams and I and I acknowledge Who that. Who are they beating on this schedule? What, what's to get their them most likely record? Yeah. I think okay, so Arizona State, can we just go through this. Arizona State, yeah. do we all agree that's a win? Yeah. Stanford, can we all agree that's a win? Where yeah. is the Arizona State game? It's in Tempe. I know, weird. Mm. But but can we at least agree that they're a much better team I than Arizona State? I will say I will lean Colorado. That's ridiculous. I'm not ready. Okay, Stanford. Ready. In yeah, Boulder. Yeah, they'll, they'll beat Stanford. Yeah. At UCLA? That's a loss. Yeah, UCLA is very good. UCLA, UCLA might be very good. Yeah. But I think Colorado might be good. So I, I think that's a toss-up to me. Okay. Okay, so that's I'm like a toss-up. So they've got two wins that we're clear on. Home against Oregon State. Uh, that's a loss. That's I mean, a toss-up to me. Okay, okay. They I are mean, not 2021 Oregon State. If, Stop if making things up. If those are toss-ups, then the Arizona State game's a toss-up. Yeah. <laughs> Colorado's yeah. closer to losing against Arizona <laughs> yes, State than they are to you. winning at UCLA right now. Okay, okay, fair. Let's call that a loss. I Arizona State game as a win if you say that Oregon State's a loss. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's say they go 2-2. Two and two. And, then the, and then Arizona. That's a toss-up. That's a toss-up. Yeah, I, I'd say lean win. So maybe two, three wins at Washington State. They're not beating Washington State, and they're not it's, winning at Utah. Yeah, I don't care who's at quarterback. Not. They're not fucking winning in Salt Lake. Yeah, I, I, this, got, I, this I think, Colorado team is not winning in Salt Lake City. <laughs> yeah, not. I think they've got. I think they have a potential here for seven wins, which is what Washington State did last year. Yeah, the, Washington State was a deeply UCLA flawed or team. Oregon State. Yeah, and I don't think as they could also go five and seven though, like. Yeah, they could I, I, think they're much, I think they're closer to seven and five quality team than five and seven. Anyway, uh, Colorado's going to continue to divide us. I'm going to say they're only they're going to be favored against Arizona State and Stanford. I'm not sure they're going to be favored against Arizona. That's going to be close, and they're not going to be favored against anyone else. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think, I, yeah, we're going to continue to talk about Colorado. I mean, being. You, you realize in terms of power, like. Point spreads. They're not going to be favored against UCLA, Oregon State, Washington State, or Utah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think yes, I agree. In terms yeah. of point spreads, I okay, but I, I don't know that like being favored by three points or five points or whatever is like suddenly going to make me be like, yeah, they're definitely going to lose that. Yeah, I would count that as a loss. Points. More points on that line. I don't know. I, I, yeah, well, I they guess were I, twenty-one point underdogs to USC and Oregon, yeah, so I, I think the lines might be more than three. Yeah, and then they covered. They with it came within seven of USC. So, I don't know. I guess I'm just... I, do we think that anyone's... Like, I don't know. Some of these defenses are probably... Well, I'm looking at them. They have some pretty good defenses here. They got some pretty good defenses UCLA, here. UCLA, Wazoo, Oregon State, and Utah are the four best defenses in this here, conference, the and thing, they haven't the played thing. them yet. I have to... I'm I'm looking at uh, UCLA's schedule and how teams are doing there uh, from who they played, and I'm starting to become skeptical that UCLA's defensive performances are actually telling us anything. Okay, whatever. So we'll let's see. move on. We'll see. Let's move on. Let's move on to the next game. Very similar type of game. Curious to hear how y'all talk about this. Another top team uh, escaping with a win on the road. Washington leaves Tucson with a win over Arizona, 31-24. to Just like USC, the Huskies got up to a big lead, 28-10 uh, in the third quarter. But Arizona battled back and found themselves within a score, also needing an onside kick, just like... Uh, 
uh, USC. They almost had that one, too. Uh, Michael Penix now finishes his college career never having thrown a touchdown pass in the desert after two trips, after throwing like 100-plus attempts. Absolutely insane distinction. But let's start with Arizona. Let's start with Avery. Avery, uh, what what did they do to to uh, I don't know what what did they do to this is the wrong prompt here. <laughs> Why do you feel about Arizona's win over Washington? I or like win? <laughs> it felt like it win. It's a, it was win a in big my heart. win. Yeah, Jeez. yeah, a moral it's win. It's a dub in my heart. What do you feel um, about the performance against Washington? I feel like no, Fafita's like actually should be the starting quarterback. Uh, it's very clear. <laughs> it's yeah. like pretty obvious. Um, so hopefully Jedfish isn't a moron, but he is. So oh well. Um, they stayed in this game. They had, like, the desert energy on their side. But, like, I don't – this is hard. I have two voices in my head. One of them's like, you know, fucking sucks. And the other one's like, maybe Arizona. So that's been actually very hard for me to decide which narrative to go with here. <laughs> but, like, I was genuinely, like, sort of impressed with Arizona. They have – I've said it, like, 70 times, but they had the firepower to keep up with Washington. And when they were able to get it to Ted McMillan and to Jacob Cowing, like, they looked pretty good. It was just, like, a matter of getting it to them to make the plays. Um, Washington should not have let Arizona threaten, threaten to win this game. But, yeah. but Nova Vita's great. I'm a big fan of Nova Vita. Reed, what did you think of Arizona's performance in uh, Tucson against Washington? I mean, they they just locked this Huskies offense down. Really, <laughs> it was there was nothing open deep. They they had no answers over the top, and they had to completely shrivel and change their identity <laughs> into a bunch of checkdowns, basically. <laughs> and that's that was the story of Saturday night's game in Tucson. Uh, was was that all that UW could do is just throw it at the line of scrimmage and pray that they got out of the desert alive. <laughs> they had eight defensive backs. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. Arizona did the thing that that we and actually Matt, Matt Hubertson, our, our homie Matt Hubertson, uh, has talked about, which is like just drop a bunch of dudes back and dare them to get you underneath. Now, it did work for Washington. Yeah. Like Washington tore it apart early. They got their first three drives, three touchdowns, and it they sort of looked kind of easy, even with all the checkdowns and the screen passes and all that shit. Um, which, which is, by the way, very funny because Washington span, fans have spent three weeks talking about how all Oregon ever does is check down. Specifically and, Bonex. And we had a, a moment with, uh, with your husband, I'm calling him your husband on live stream, okay. Dewey, um, <laughs> where he was like, you don't, would never throw a screen pass. And immediately, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> screen pass. <laughs> um... So anyway, uh, Arizona did exactly the thing that I think teams needed to do, which is like drop eight now. Yeah, Arizona does not have the dudes to be able to like recover and stop some of the screen passes, and they were getting bowled over a lot of the times early on. But they made a jump. They they looked much better as the game went on. The first three drives, UW had twenty one points, and then after that, in the rest of their what nine drives or whatever, uh, they scored ten. So Arizona's defense, I think, might be pretty impressive. Like it might not be. Like it might, it might be decent, which is kind of crazy to think about holding a UW team that was hanging fifty on everyone, almost yeah, sixty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I, I feel comfortable saying they're better than okay, which is like okay. I, decent and okay are far apart for me. But um, they schemed it really well. Like I was really impressed with the scheme, and I think the scheme helped them out a ton. Like, and I don't know. I don't feel like Michael Penix was taking the shots downfield. Like I don't yeah. think there were contested throws downfield i think the coverage was good the scheme was good and that like helped arizona look really good and they that's why they were able to stay in this game like i'm not ready to say they're like top half of the pac 12 defensively but 
Yeah. Like, they did enough. I mean, to be honest, I, I was torn on it because I was impressed that Arizona, like, could identify UW's strength, could say, we're going to focus on that and we're going to neutralize it. Yeah. But I was also on the other side of it, to be genuine, like, I was kind of impressed that Washington said, okay, we're going to be flexible with our game plan yeah. here. And, like, we're going to just take the easy stuff. I didn't think Penix had that in him. I thought he was going to take shots all day like if he had to if if the even if they weren't there i thought he was going to throw him up and like live and die by what mm -hmm. happened and the fact that he actually like made the smart plays and got them a lead early i mean as close as this game was as much as like yeah they didn't look washington didn't look like the buzzsaw we thought they were you know necessarily like we didn't think that they would ever be held under 40 points this season it felt like for a while there but at the same time I always thought they were winning this game. Like, yeah. I, I never thought that Arizona was actually going to win. Yeah. I always thought it was going to be weird. Uh, UW fans like to say, oh, no, we don't have the curse in Arizona. It's only in Tempe. I would argue that this shit is cursed. I would argue every time they have to go to Tucson and they're a much better team and they look like shit, it's cursed. I don't care if they if it's like a win or a loss. Yeah. They not Michael Pettick's not throwing a touchdown pass is fucking that's cursed. cursed. Okay. That's, hey, that's fucking cursed, cursed. As hell. <laughs> Yeah. I was really impressed with like them throwing screen passes because before the game I was making jokes about how Michael Penix is um, an explosive play merchant. Like I was saying that shit before the game and he proved me wrong, which was great. Like that was one aspect of UW that I've had questions about this entire year. So like having them be like, oh, actually we can run a defense like this and we actually can ru th score rushing touchdowns even though they were dropping eight was, was great. I, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, so one thing real quick about Arizona before we fully, fully switch over to Washington is Noah Fafita, the last thing he said, much better, uh, a big upgrade over Jaden Delora. He's actually like not very talented. Like he is five eleven and doesn't have a lot of arm strength. Look, I'm like five nine and couldn't throw a football past like a fucking backyard. Um, but like, he's not. He's, he's not a power heart. five level. He's, got heart. he's not a power five level yeah, quarterback. He's got heart. Yeah, he's got a lot of heart. Uh, he's very mature for his age. I think he's his only second year, right? Is his, his red shirt freshman year. Um, he is, but he doesn't make mistakes. Um, yeah, he's really confident, right? right Jaden Delora, uh, all of his issues off the field aside, for a second, is just a like his whole thing is that he's a high variance quarterback. He's going to raise your ceiling and lower your floor. He could throw three picks, but throw three touchdowns. He's not doing that this year. Yeah, he hasn't done that all this right. year. Right. He, yeah. He's been shit this year. He's been dog shit. He's just been, it's just been the three Like, picks. his injury is the best thing that's ever happened to the state of Arizona. <laughs> uh, and Noah Fafita's not making those mistakes. Now, I don't think he can, like, launch it to Tech McMillan, like, 40 yards downfield, even if it's a wild one, and see if he can come down with it. Yeah. But, you know, his receivers are helping him out a little bit. So, uh, I will say that. Uh, I say all that to say to fully sw uh, flip over to Washington, their secondary is not good. Like, I know that they only gave up 24 points. I know that they're, uh, you know, they, that the passing game didn't look great. But Noah Fafita is like, that will be the, what, 10th best quarterback, 9th best quarterback UW plays? Yeah, yeah, it's up there. And he had, what, 232 yards, three touchdowns, a pick. Uh, and, uh, like, Jacob Cowing was all over the place. Like, their secondary has problems. And we... I'm not ready to start talking about them the same way we were talking about UFC, but we're not far off either. They have not played anyone. This is the best offense they've played probably. 
think it's yeah, fair to say. Definitely. And this is not a great offense. This is the eighth best offense they're going Utah to play. Utah fans are saying, how do you scheme for a backup quarterback that's never played? Okay. Oh, my yeah, gosh. All right. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, no. Uh, yeah. No, that's, that's, uh, that's you ridiculous. Jump. That's how you, that's how you scheme. You, jump high. You, yeah. Just yeah. In the air. Ridiculous. No, I've got, I've got many questions about UW secondary after this game. I, I get, I'm not impressed by what they did defensively. Offensively, uh, they kind of shit the bed a little bit later on. Uh, again, Michael Penix having 50 plus attempts and not getting a touchdown is like kind of absurd. I think it is actually concerning that they can't have, they have, they go all four of their receivers could start like be wide receiver one at like nine and maybe 10 Pac-12 schools. Like yeah, well. Jeremy Bernard, their fourth option at receiver could start everywhere else. And they got nothing, like nothing. They did absolutely nothing against Arizona secondary. Arizona secondary, like maybe fine, but like there are three or four secondaries that I'm ready to say are better than Arizona secondary. And they're all on US uh, Washington schedule. So I think this is concerning. I don't think we can in the same breath say, oh boy, USC, they've got some problems. Like we can't, we have to worry about USC. They're a dog shit team. They're unserious. And then say, Oh, Washington, oh, I was impressed. Like, this is pretty good. Just because they beat the shit out of teams? Like, yeah. uh, it doesn't yeah, make yeah, sense to me. Fair. I mean, yeah. they just handed, Arizona just handed the formula to stay competitive Washington to all the teams they play. I mean, we like, knew that. We're a bunch of bozos coach, online. And we knew that. that <laughs> yeah. But they know it works now. They don't yeah. have to test it out. And they play Oregon. They play much better coaches than fucking Jetfish. Like, Oregon's better coached. Arizona State's better coached. I'm ready to say it. Arizona State um, might have a better defense than not their yeah. defensive line. USC's Ugh. defense, but yeah, not better coached. Um, Utah's defense is better coached. Oregon State's defense is better coached, and Washington State's defense is better coached. Like, here's here's how you beat Washington. Like, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. That's scary, and it works, and it mostly worked, yeah. right? Especially as, except for early on, when I think Arizona didn't really expect. Because no one expected UW to become the checkdown merchants that they became. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, um, you know they didn't really expect it, and they but they figured it out. So I don't know. I guess I'm just I'm. I think I'm worried about Washington. Uh, I think that yeah. they've got some issues. Um, I, I think we should talk about them. The thing maybe we talk about with USC because they've had the same season so far. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it was very similar in that both in both cases through the first three weeks, like Washington and USC blew everyone out. It was impossible to get a read on like what these teams ceilings are it's like they could they could be the best teams ever who the hell knows like i mean washington fans are throwing out 2019 lsu like as if that's a serious comp um, <laughs> anyways though in this game like we learned okay washington has a ceiling like teams at they're not just going to go for 50 on every team they play they can't just go over the top on every team they play if you have some personnel, if you make those like appropriate decisions, you can hold them to in the 30s. And that is a mark for USC, for Oregon, that like they feel comfortable scoring on offense, you know? And so when you compare them to the other teams, it's like if you do the right things, if you're well coached, you can put Washington like in that ballpark where on your good offensive days, you can beat them. Yeah. Any other thoughts about Washington, Arizona before we uh, move to a quick break and, get, and move on? All right, let's move on. Uh, Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back in a minute to talk about the rest of the slate. Stay tuned. 
This episode of No Truck Stops is brought to you by HomeFieldApparel.com, your home for officially licensed vintage college football apparel. Look, simply stated, this is the best collection of premium quality apparel going. Even Oregon and their unnamed apparel connections had to recognize this, and let me tell you, it might be the best collection I've seen yet. That old school duck cartoon against the vintage green shirt that Homefield has. It's it's absolutely perfect. Uh, I am wearing the Utah Interlocking U Rose Bowl logo. This is off the shirt I own. Uh, it holds up incredibly well to regular use and washing. And it's not just shirts at home field. They have joggers, dad hats, sweatshirts, hoodies that are all of incredible quality and with the best, most attractive logos out there. To get yours, go to homefieldapparel.com, find your school or hit that favorite section and order yours today. All right, we are back. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the slate. Rapid fire. I have that track labeled as Rapid Fire Italian. I actually don't know if that's Italian. <laughs> that, that sounds Italian to me. It has to be, right? I, I can imagine know. being like Turkish or something. I have no idea. We only have two games and it's We're Rapid Fire. culturally insensitive. <laughs> Find the Europeans who cares. Uh, Oregon throttled Stanford after a slow start, beating Stanford uh, 42 to 6 in Palo Alto. Apparently, the same score as the Colorado game. Reed, are you glad to be done with Stanford disease now? Stanford is dead. The disease is <laughs> over. It's been cured. Honestly, I, I mean, there was something cathartic about having to live through that first quarter and, and getting it back that feeling returning and then conquering it throughout the rest of the game and now i can put it to be bad the demon's been slayed it was my exorcism against stanford <laughs> uh, and i'm over it avery uh do you have any thoughts about oregon stanford do not fucking say anything about ucla i swear to god as we know <laughs> football is a 15 minute game yes and this is a first quarter only game, so Stanford's <laughs> win here was dominant. Josh Carty, unreal playmaker. Now, Oregon, it's too early for Stanford disease. I said this. I said I was jumping the gun here. I had to do it just in case, but like it's a little too early. We have to wait till we get deeper into October. I'm thinking like the third week of October is where Stanford disease really comes out to shine. But yeah, Oregon Oregon was very, very dominant here. Yeah, uh, or that was that first quarter and a half was extremely funny. Uh, <laughs> it was great sitting was, next to Reed. Uh, and Reed was very quiet. Never heard Reed that quiet before. It's so good. But yes, Oregon exercised those demons, beat the shit out of Stanford. So that was great. Lastly, ASU in Cal played and i frankly could not tell you what the result was i don't remember i watched that second half but i don't remember what happened avery i imagine you have some thoughts i'm fucking sick i'm sick to my fucking stomach every fucking week i watch every cow game and i have i'm wrong i'm owen five on my cow picks that's that's as hard as going five and up five and five and oh that's uh, I hate Cal. I fucking hate Cal. I have a Cal. I have Cal disease. It's bad. ASU, Mad Cal disease. <laughs> yeah. ASU is so close. Uh, yeah. ASU is better than people think they are. But fuck Cal, man. Read. Thoughts about ASU Cal. I don't even know where to go in this game. It was so. <laughs> it was just ugly. Yeah, we missed the boot. first half playing basketball. Oh yeah, you guys was, weren't even there. I yeah. was swatting Carlos in the post. I got. I got him on a step back. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Here's the thing. Reed's like six foot two, and it's like, He's what am I gonna? Enough. What am I gonna do when they, when I like bump him out of position? 
and then he like misses a shot and then he just can grab the <laughs> offensive rebound because he's like got six inches on me. It's fucking annoying. I hate tall people. Don't let tall people play sports. It doesn't matter. Somehow we derailed this. Anyways, I I don't fucking know. I didn't have thoughts before this game. I mean, you remember me picking it on Sunday. I still feel the exact same way. Like, who the hell knows? If I picked it tomorrow, I'd think the same thing. Yeah, yeah. This was the most exciting game of the week for me. Like, genuinely, it was probably the most fun to watch. Those of us that were here watching it, it was electric. Yeah. It was a good time. Yeah, it was a great time. Uh, All right, let's move on. I've got a little game for us to play really, really quick. Uh, Do some super superlatives you all know what superlatives are i'm not going to explain them let's start with the best thing in the pack 12 i'm going to ask you to pick just the best thing could be a position group a player a coach whatever uh but what do you think avery you start with you is the best thing in the pack cam scadaboo he's my favorite thing in the pack you think he's the best he's running so back you just, oh, you just, you you just enjoy it. the most fun Morgan? thing the most fun thing is cam scadaboo he he's everywhere he's all the time he averages like two yards per carry but it's enough yeah in my opinion. It's an, it's an he's electric doing running back. so much back there yeah an electric running back it's good read what's the best thing in the pac-12 for you it's probably still washington's receiver right? oh come on jesus all right <laughs> Uh, is that not true? I mean, it probably is. I think I, I tweeted something that that was like the best thing in the Pac-12. Or the, oh, I said it was the worst thing. We'll get to there. Uh, the best thing in the Pac-12. I think it's. I think it's still Caleb Williams. I still think he's ridiculous. We have I different still think, definitions of best. I'm now realizing. <laughs> Would you like a redo? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's get negative real quick. Read. Start us off. What's the worst thing in the Pac-12? Uh, it's Alex Grinch. He's. I, I mean, he's so bad. Yeah. How? How is he that bad? How is he still employed? I don't, employed? Get, it. I don't get it. It's going to be really fun to see Actually, if they force him Can I him change to. my best thing to Lincoln Riley's commitment? To <laughs> <laughs> Avery, best, uh, worst thing in the Pac-12. The worst thing in the Pac-12 is Cal. I fucking hate Cal. Yeah, Watching hate Cal, Cal is the worst thing in the Pac-12. <laughs> uh, I got a homie over there saying it's Jaden Delora, and that is uh, actually true. I also, I also said Arizona State's defensive line is the worst thing in the Pac-12. That's horrible. Uh, let's move on. Let's get to the last one here. We gotta, we gotta hurry up and get out of here. Final one. Reed, back to you. Who or what wins most unforgettable in the Pac-12? Most unforgettable? I don't even know where to go here. This I, was I a, this was an extremely forgettable slate. I guess I'll go. But just in I'll general. Just in general. Top ten wins at the graveyard. Uh, like that was, that was epic to be there for that. Yeah, that was um, great. So I'll go with that. Truly forgot that they were top ten, but yes, <laughs> Avery. Jonathan Smith telling his players to milk the clock. Holy <laughs> shit. How have we not talked about that? Uh, does anyone want to... I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, he uh, grabbed his chest and squeezed uh, his nipples to tell his players to milk the clock. Really slowly. Really slowly. It was very strange. That's the weirdest thing uh, I've ever seen. All right. Uh, I have. Let's move on to the next segment here, really quick. I have no clue what the fuck this is, but Avery randomly texted me while she was at the bar. Uh, can I have a segment where I have my own playoffs? Literally, no fucking clue what you're talking about. So, how about you just like surprise us? Originally, and we'll pray. I was gonna add Reed to the playoff committee, but then he started talking about Georgia, and I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I wish I drunk Avery would have prepared more. But here's my list, starting with number ten, Cal. Number nine, Utah. Uh, Sac State coming in at number eight. Then we have Idaho, Auburn, USC. Number four, Oregon State. Number three, Washington. Number two, Oregon. Number one, Wazoo. Those are the current Avery playoff rankings. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think Cal is too high. Um, yeah, but, but Idaho and Auburn. 
I see how I had to include them. Yes, I see what you mean. <laughs> I think you <laughs> you might be the single highest person on Wazoo in, in yeah, the entire yeah, world as right now. Be, as I should be. Uh, anyway, I have no idea what to do with that. Do you, do you have any thoughts about the tweet? <laughs> I, I do. I mean, the biggest thing is just your wazoo belief, and I respect it. They've looked good, but uh, everybody needs their thing. One right? in the country. I mean, that is <laughs> that's a take. That is definitely a bold. I think they have an argument for best in the Pac-12, unironically. But whatever, we'll get to that some other time. <laughs> next week, we'll see. Uh, what happens. Not a lot of teams nationally have looked great either. So uh, sure, go for it. Speaking of next week, let's move on and make some game predictions. All right, uh, we've got a nice little slate here, but do you want to give us a uh, standings update, Grapes? Yeah, despite me being a crazy little goose, I'm still not in last place. Carlos is leading with 43 points. I'm behind him with 41. Reed had a great week. He, he got four out of five right. He's at 37. Greg's right behind at 36. And Matt, you got to stop picking those bad upsets, Matt. He's at 33. Bad, bad stuff for Matt. Once again, we are... Five weeks into the season now, and I'm number one. Just telling you, the coin flip, Carlos, uh, designation is dead. All right, we have a lovely, light little schedule here, just four Pac-12 games. We'll start at 12 p.m. on the Pac-12 networks with Wazoo traveling to Los Angeles to play UCLA. Don't think we have lines for this game yet, right? We don't have lines for any of these games. Um, I'll look them up, but... I don't know. Pick a pick a pick a point spread, Reed. What do you think it's going to be set at? And it's pro- who, who wins? And I covers? think it'll probably be UCLA by like five. Uh, what do you think? And who do you and do you think they cover that? I, ooh, I mean that that would I might. No, I'll just say they cover that. Sure, I'm so excited for this game. I'm leaning UCLA early because I think that pass rush can be very disruptive, and I just don't know what Wazoo looks like on the road, but. I mean, like I said, I I don't really know. Like, I think this could be the game where I go, holy shit, Wazoo is... Like, winning at UCLA is, we talked about this, goes from, like, fun, cool win to, like, that's real conference contender shit to actually win in the Rose Bowl. DraftKings has this at UCLA minus four, by the way. Avery, minus four, Washington, Washington State at UCLA. Who wins, who covers? We know where I'm going with this. Washington State is winning this game. Okay, Ben Marbuckle is the truth. Uh, I don't know if there's like ever been a lock I'm more confident in. UCLA is winning this game. They're covering. I think they're absolutely going to beat Washington State. I think their pass rush is going to be the pass, best pass rush they've seen all season. I think the offense is probably going to figure some stuff out. I don't know how well Washington State travels at this point. Give me UCLA to cover. Matt and Greg picked all favorites this week. And with UCLA favored, that means they're going with UCLA. <laughs> nice. Uh, on Saturday, October 7th, Colorado gets a break from the Elites to play Arizona State in Tempe, 3.30 p.m. on the Pac-12 Networks. Read who wins, who covers. Do we, do we have a line on this one? I do not think we have a line on this one, no. I'm, I'm picking Arizona State. I just, I am, I'm digging in on it. I, I think this could be a game like we might find out Colorado's actually fraudulent. If not, then, then you know, I'll apologize and, and I'll recalibrate on Colorado once again. Yeah, I think this is a game that feels to me like, okay, if, if everyone is so sure that Colorado is like in, is closer to Arizona State, then Arizona, they should beat the shit out of Arizona State. They absolutely should. I think they, I think they will. Um, so yeah, give me give me Colorado. I think I, I don't know what the spread will be, but I, I'd pick up the cover. I assume Colorado's favored to win. 
next yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Avery. Wins. I'm, I'm picking ASU. I'm picking ASU. I, I believe in the ASU, what they can be. They should have beat Cal. They are right there. They were so close. Um, hopefully, they finally get another win this week. Yeah. Uh, next up, 7 p.m. on the Pac-12 Networks. Oregon State travels to Berkeley to play Cal. The Beavs will almost certainly be favored. Don't know by how much. Avery, who wins and by how much? I'm in a tricky situation here because I picked Cal wrong. Is Cal your new Oregon State? What do you mean? I mean, well, now they're your new Washington State. You just flip. I've been an Oregon State truther for multiple years. I am an Oregon State truther. I absolutely Except when it comes to Washington State. I'm both. I'm both. <laughs> Anyways, I pick Cal every ro- time I've ro- picked them wrong. So, like, a part of me is like, I have to fucking pick Cal because I can't risk it for my beefs. Okay. So, I have to pick Cal. Okay. But, like, I, Oregon State's going to win, but I'm picking Cal. I'm sorry. Nobody Reed? yell at me. I'm picking Oregon State. I think Cal is is very analogous to, like, the offensive threats that Utah posed, which is not many, a bad quarterback, <laughs> and you just have to stop their run game. Oregon State did that very good at home last week. I think they can do it in Berkeley because, I mean, not to shit on Berkeley, but did we see that stadium on Saturday? Yeah, it was like 5,000 people there. Yeah. So I'm going with Oregon State winning cover. I've got really I've got really weird vibes about this game. Uh, I'm going to pick Oregon State, but just so you both know, I think this game's going to get weird. I think it's going to be a weird-ass game. Um, we got to see Oregon State beat not. the shit out of Cal so that we, don't, so that yeah. we can see... We can get rid of this. Oregon State can't win away from or can't play well against uh, on the road. That narrative needs to die. To do it, Oregon State needs to be this shit out of Cal. Finally, 7.30 p.m. This one's on ESPN. Arizona travels to L.A. to play USC. The Trojans almost certainly will be favored. Don't have a line for this one. Read who wins. USC is going to win, uh, and they're not going to cover like they do against every decent Pac-12 team. It's, <laughs> I, I'm going to say right now it's going to be 45-38. Uh, or within a couple points of that because that's what happens every time USC plays a decent Pac-12 team. Avery. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. Okay, so you're picking USC, but in a close one. Yep. Yeah, you both are uh, being silly. Uh, this game's in LA. USC is that, electric that, that in LA. work for everyone. USC is electric in LA, but I'll tell you, he even just, more, just even more important, this even, dude so. just learned about even more important, <laughs> Arizona fucking sucks in Los Angeles. Arizona would rather never have to play USC in LA ever again. Arizona's going to get its ass kicked. Just completely mollywopped. And uh, you all are going to apologize. Sure hope so. Um, all right. Another week in the books. Let's get out of here. Uh, we're back on YouTube next Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific to recap week six. If you want a preview of UCLA, Wazoo, Arizona, USC, or whatever, go check out our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. That'll drop late Wednesday night or Thursday morning. And of course, Please subscribe to the channel to get updates when we go live and make someone suffer. And of course, we'll drop this into your podcast feeds every Monday at 5 a.m. Pacific. For now, that's Reed. That's Grapes. Greg and Matt, somewhere off in the ether. I'm Carlos. Thank you for joining us live. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. We will see you next week. And remember, there are no checks ups here. Not even one. <laughs> Rumors still and thick with smoke. So thick makes you choke. Crowdfiles in the coffee's kicking in my patience to everything. Said I'm lonelier than a single sax on a quiet city street. Things aren't always green.